If you'd have told me Sunday night on the 14th, I'd be in here on the 26th, getting ready to go spend another night. I'd have laughed in your face. What a joke. No way. We're not going to lose this kid. I don't think they realize what kind of fighting parents they've got. I'm Teresa Weekly, and this is Unashamed. So this week, I am just looking at um, kids and mental health. I learned about this family in Shepherd, Michigan, dealing with just a really difficult situation. Um, their son has um, major mental health challenges, and they're trying to get him help. And they basically, they got into an emergency situation where all their healthcare providers were telling them you need to get him into inpatient into an inpatient facility which they tried to do and they've just they still haven't been able to do it yet um and it's been weeks so i heard about what was going on with them after the dad just kind of reached his breaking point and was in the parking lot of the hospital where his son was in the er um, and just kind of went on a rant and posted it on YouTube and then finally started to get some attention because of the power of social media, which you'll hear him talk about here in this episode. But um, the, the family's concern is that they're getting all of this attention because they already had a pretty good following on social media and state lawmakers have reached out to them. They testified in front of a committee in Lansing to uh, make this push to make changes at the state level so that kids and anyone who needs it can get the care that they need when they need it and they don't have to jump through all these hoops. They're just concerned about the people who don't have those resources or who don't know how to go about doing that and taking action um, who then might get left in the dust. So this is my conversation with Jerry and Joanne. I know that getting care is one of the huge barriers when when you do decide okay we really need some help it's like it's not like you just call somebody up and there you go you get help so um, that's why I really wanted to talk to you guys you're not just making progress for you though you guys are kind of paving the way it sounds like for other people I hope so I hope so I, I wouldn't want anybody else to go through what we're going through right now it's, Would it's you so mind hard. explaining what, what it is that you are going through for people who don't? Mm, he's probably better at doing that. <laughs> I know he tame. He's a speech teacher. He's used to talking. No, it's just true. So it's just, it's, <laughs> I'm still waiting to wake up. I am. I'm still waiting to wake up from it all because um, we knew when we adopted the boys, there'd be, they kept saying, calling it baggage, but you took in two rock heads of mm-hmm. almost 60 years of teaching between us that we can, we can fix anything. We can do anything. We started noticing idiosyncrasies and challenges that he was facing and got him into counseling at a young age, um, had him into multiple ones, worked with CMH, you know, and then long story short, he kind of, we kept finding knives. We kept finding steak knives downstairs. And when we confronted him, he liked to carve things because we had custom made log bunk beds we'd gotten him and he was cutting those up. We also noted he would take fingernail clippers and he would cut the calluses. And anytime he had a callus, he'd cut it and he'd cut the parts of the bottom of his feet off too. And I was like, Jordan, what are you, what are you doing, bud? And he's kind of like, well, I don't like the way they feel. He's got tactile dysfunction because he won't pick up a chicken wing. Um, he won't stand on the pad in the shower that keeps you from slipping. 
total defiance of authority syndrome. Like he will just push the envelope. Well, then through a couple of the things when we were talking at the hospital, he just, I like to see what I can get away with. He'll steal his brother's phone or their brother, his brother's Chromebooks. He got to the point one time he, my wife was sleeping and he held the phone up to her face for race, facial recognition and got into it. She woke up the next morning horrified with what was on her phone. Well, I, I, I tried explaining to him when this first started happening. I go, Jordan, cause and effect. You, 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 you act, there's a reaction to everything. If you take my phone and I stand in front of a two, 3,000 member audience across the nation and I, I'm constantly plugging my phone and showing teachers and educators how to do things. And that pops up. My career is done. And you don't realize the ramifications of that. I said, you can't be doing this kind of stuff. And I've talked to audiences about this and tried to show them how to get help with their kid, how to monitor their phones, whether you got GoGuardian or you're using Quistidio and some of these other things. But it wasn't, it wasn't processing. It wasn't getting through to him. Total defiance. And mom and dad, his, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. His bios are ADHD. Dad is bipolar. Dad's on his third or fourth criminal sexual misconduct in jail. So he's got genetics we're fighting. And we've, we've come to the conclusion, Teresa, we can't fight genetics. We can only learn to guide it. Go Guardian pops up the one day with all this stuff coming into play. And here he is researching suicide. So, bud, what are you doing? What's going on? Well, I was curious, what is it? What it was? And I, well, what is it, Jordan? And he rattles it off like nothing. So it wasn't something he looked up. It was something he was curious about and he knew. So then fast forward to Jan, uh, February 14th, um, his two brothers, she was shopping. His brothers came up, tears in his eyes. His youngest brother, the goob, is his biological brother from the same bios. Jake, our middle son, is from a completely different family. So Jordan's 15, Jake's 14, goob is 13. Goob's crying got two sheets of paper. Jake looks horrified. And they said, dad, we found this downstairs. You need to take this. And they ran. So without going into huge details, Teresa, it was basically a step-by-step -step plan detailed with very descriptive language, how he wanted to hurt my wife, his adopted mom. And then there was a second letter that was a backup plan if the first one didn't go. So what I started thinking was maybe he's going to act out on this and then possibly kill himself. We don't know. We confronted him, asked him. He admitted it. She was horrified after she wrote it. She read it. And we got to the point where we were working him through. And she said, Jordan, how do you feel? He goes, well, I guess I shouldn't have written it down. At that point, I called the family doctor. I called his counselor totally separate entities that said the exact same thing go to inpatient clinic get him admitted we'll get him i'm sorry go to the emergency room get him admitted we'll get him into an inpatient facility this is so far beyond what you guys are qualified to deal with and that's where it started so 12 nights in <laughs> we'd been dealing she deals with the paperwork calling the insurance side I deal with the rest. And that Friday, we had just been back and forth. And the poor girl, it wasn't her fault. We haven't lashed out at nobody, Teresa. We're, we're, not, we're not mad at a person. We're mad at the system. And the system, everybody says, is broken. But when you keep doing the same thing over and over, come on, seriously, and you call crazy people crazy, it's insane to follow the same broken system. And all we had to do to get this subsidy approved was get digital signatures. And I've done this a thousand times. But she sent it, signed. I could not sign it. It came back blank. She sent it to me. When I signed it, I sent it back to her to sign it. She couldn't do it. This goes on for five hours on that Friday. 
And as I'm driving back, she said, can you just go up to the hospital? Because she's uncomfortable with what was written. She didn't want to stay the night. She's, she has, and I 100% support her. She's scared. And I said, I got it. I went up, but I sat in that parking lot and I just, you know how you just, you're, you're just mentally and physically exhausted. Well, I've done videos for years trying to help people. I've spoken to kids in schools and I've done all these videos to help other people. Yes, I just threw the camera up and I thought, you know what? Excuse my language, but I was like this. I'm doing it for our family for one time. And I just, I speak honest. And it's the one thing people have said, you may not like me, but you're going to get the, the truth. And I popped that video up, told her Friday night, showed it to her on Saturday, very private person, didn't want my child, our child to be that stigma of a mental health case or a problem so that people looked at them differently. So, but then Sunday morning rolled around and we're in the same spot waiting for another week of just sitting in the emergency room. And the, the hospital was amazing. They were so good to us, but come on, you can only do so much in those lazy boys. So yeah. I popped that, I popped that <laughs> damn, uh, man, I'm a big guy too. I popped that video up and within 24 hours, we got a place. One of the places we actually <clears throat> tried to find a bed. Suddenly we got a place. I got state Senator Mike Shirky, Speaker of the House calling me. Um, Stabenow's reached out. Stabenow's daughter reached out, got her aid. We got Hauk. We got, um, who's the other one? Uh, I, I don't know. They were all calling all of a sudden. So it was like, it took a viral video to get what we wanted. And then what was insane we got to day 32 and I just wrote it out. I don't know if you follow our Facebook. I wrote the sign and her and I held it up 32 days and Jordan still had not any, any help that poked a couple dragons. Cause what was in a, the, one of the posts people were getting underneath that they wanted answers. So a good friend of mine, the County clerk said, Jay, can you put something together just to post it? So I posted it in the comments, but the last paragraph said, the hardest part is at least when we were in the emergency room, we could see him and be with him. We've not seen him at all. And some nights he won't even call for three to four days. So we're wondering what's going on, blah, 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 blah. Teresa, that video, that comment within 24 hours, we get a phone call. They're arranging special circumstances for us to come down and see him for one hour, the family, but we got to be careful. The other people don't see the other inmates, the other families, because they could cause problems. So we couldn't do it Saturday. But Sunday, we went down for one hour, monitored from one to two, shot baskets. We threw a football, the whole bit. So I'm like, all right, they're watching my social media pages. Okay. And I told her, because she posted the next day for day 33, I go, I have this rule of eights in social media. Because you post every day, it's like living next to the highway. It's there, but you don't hear it. But rule of eights, leave people wanting more. I said, if he's in there on day 40, I've got a picture that's going to break some hearts. But Tonight's meeting, they were all phenomenal. But I'm going to tell you, you know, as a reporter, when you rattle cages, you can tell when people are backpedaling, sitting on their heels. They're basically looking to do anything they can to help us. What kills me is, what, what about these kids that parents walk into the emergency room, admit them, and walk away? They don't have parents that are stupid enough to not quit, to do whatever they can in their means to go do this. And they're not getting this kind of service or help. It just boggles my mind. And I just sit here looking at the big picture of this system. And we, we have been told multiple times, you guys avoided a catastrophe finding that letter. We believe that. We believe that in our heart. The stories that have come out that, you know, there's a private group we've got going right now that just people are sharing because like you said, and Mike Shirky said it straight to us. 
sorry, you guys have to be the object poster children, but this is what we needed to blow the lid off this to finally get some people to react. We legitimately, for the first time, I think it's since her and I've been together, we legitimately asked for help. We had no clue what to do. We don't do that. Uh-uh. We find a way. How long has Jordan been with you? Uh, he's 12, 12 years now, 12, 13 years. So we've had him almost his whole life. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were, we were his fourth home that he lived in and he was three, I think pretty much when he came two, three, right in that range. Um, we took the two brothers together, kept the siblings together. And then we adopted a third child from a whole different genetic pool. Mm -hmm. Um, that's right between their ages. It's weird. They're all February babies. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So they're all 13, 14, 15. And, but I, I just don't know why it, it's almost like the mental health system is just ironic. I mean, something that's supposed to be helping people. Could drive has, you insane. It's breaking me down. I mean, it's breaking our family down. I've watched our youngest son, who's also autistic. Uh, Jordan's biological brother is autism. And, uh, you know, we've had him in ABA and that kind of stuff for the years because we had a clear diagnosis, but um, he's melted down multiple times, um, having a rough time at school. I'm there with the two boys uh, still because I teach at the school that they're at. And it's so hard to be a teacher and watching your son melting down in the, in the hallway and having to get the, you know, the social worker or somebody to come and help me out because I've got these, you know, 50 kids in this classroom right now that I have to be teaching because I teach band. So I have big classes. And while my son, you know, I, I had to take him home the other day because it just got so bad. He was slamming. This is totally out of his schedule, his routine that helps him yep. feel grounded. Exactly. And that was our, you know, because when Jordan, when we finally got him out of the ER, ER and then put somewhere. The, the plan was just to get him out of the ER and then this facility would just hold him until we found the appropriate placement. And he ended up there for a really long time. Um, he's still there. How many days has it been? It's just over three weeks now. He's, he's still in a holding pattern down there and they're, they're doing, you know, good stuff with him, but it's not geared specifically to what his needs are. But mm -hmm. with, with the, um, but, you know, at first, the first week they wanted to discharge him. They were saying like after a week, they were going to send him home. And I'm like, <laughs> we can't, we can't do that because we were finally with the other ones getting a routine sort of settled. And then, then we were being told he would be discharged. And we would also have to have CMH services doing their MST thing two to three times a week for three to five months, having them come into our home and upsetting the apple cart there too. Mm -hmm. We have since got them to then this meeting. My wife wasn't there. They've relinquished those rights. They're not going to make us and force us into that home study daily. And they will after he goes to services. Services. Um, the safe house, the safe house that's either in Warren or Grand, um, Rapids. Grand Rapids. That's where we're waiting. But the doctor now has reviewed the case. And I, I, I don't mean to do this tongue in cheek, but. I, I think people are afraid of the social media aspects of this. I'm not going to lie. They feel like they've dropped the ball and now it's public and they didn't realize the amount of following that I have. Um, I always knew it was kind of a special thing, but people respect honesty, I guess. And when you have a voice, so now the accountability, a, the accountability is really kind of freaking out. So the doctor from there is going to work with us virtually. So Jordan would be where he's at right now. We could be here with the doctor kind of doing a family thing to get us to that point 
then when he goes there, it's two to three weeks ish and he could stay longer. And then he'll come home and then we'll do a family kind of intensive thing where we can choose full virtual, a combination or full face to face to see how he's going to implement what he learns in the next phase to here. And that's what I've begged for all along because <laughs> Teresa, the world, the world molds to nobody. It's a mean, cold place. You have to find a way to mold to the world. And our son has some gifts with art, his kindness, and he is a hard worker. But these urges that he can't control, he has to learn to cope. And one of the things I asked him all tonight, and they all agreed, I go, when he gets these urges, if he say he was on a website and all of a sudden something pops up where he wants to go to an inappropriate site, I'd love for him to come up and if I'm home, say, Dad, can we go throw the football? Without questioning, I just walk out, let's play some catch. Anything on your mind? Or if mom's home, hey, mom, can we do a drawing? And something like that where he's reaching out and tells us, I want help, instead of stealing three, four Chromebooks at school and hiding them on people, instead of stealing kids' phones and different things he's doing to fulfill these urges. Because when he's 18, come on, Teresa, he pulls this crap on a public computer or at work, he'll get fired, they'll turn him in, he'll be arrested. We're dealing with a situation in Mount Pleasant right now along that line. Somebody was on a library computer and they ended up stalking a girl, young girl following and all hell broke loose, arrested, warrant went out. And I just sit here right now going, I don't want that to be our son. I don't want that to be our son. He needs coping skills. And the safe house is a living arrangement with a room. They have a list of things they need to do, accountability. They get <laughs> intensive one-on-one -on -one therapy because where he's at right now, it's mostly just group, just trying to talk and participate with nothing structured. And like, I'll reiterate what my wife said. They're doing every, the, the ER, phenomenal. These people doing everything they possibly can. Everybody's doing what they can, but there's so many different pathways. And if you're an adoptive parent or a foster parent or a biological parent, it makes a difference what routes you take. Because you could tell her if we hadn't gone to the ER, we'd have just gone to well, one's. And we've had different people managing the case too. Oh, I brought that up. You know, it started too. with, you know, the hospital people were trying to help and they're still trying to help. They're Actually, great people still too. reaching out. A hospital people trying to help. And then it was a CMH person after the the video blew up, showed up at the hospital to make sure that he the got placed somewhere. Chairman of crisis, the crisis committee yeah, showed the up. the head of the crisis committee. He shows up. And then Blue Cross apparently has a, a subdivision called New Directions. New Hope. They, new, no, New Directions. Is it? Yes. I'm thinking Star um, That handles special cases. And we didn't know anything about that. So we've learned about that. Um, but the problem is, is to try to find a place right now we're stuck because we have a primary insurance and we can only go where that primary insurance will cover. So they're trying to find somewhere that they can cover. We do not have a residential placement agreement with the state um, because he's adopted, that's available. And we can't get that until we exhaust home services with CMH and another one of their program that's gonna take three to five months. So you're just really kind of stuck. And then Blue Cross, They'll, they'll pay for, you know, some of it as long as it's medically necessary, but then ultimately he'll end up probably having, having to come home. What I'm saying is when you adopt a child, they have, um, they have subsidies in place to help, but they usually, they only do what's pre-existing um, to put in there. Like Jordan has speech and hearing subsidy. So, because he was in, in speech and stuff, right. speech delayed. So that was put in place. So anything Jordan needs that speech and hearing were covered. What I'm saying is there's no way to know 
when you are 12 years down the road, what's going to crop up? You know, they try to prepare you for it, but it's really, woof. and um, now here we are and we're struggling really hard and we're in emergency mode. I feel all that stuff should be in place. If you ever need any of these kind of services, you're good to go with an adopted child or um, a foster child. Uh, you shouldn't have to go through these hoops. It shouldn't take a half a year when you're in an emergency situation. No. Well, no. it's pretty well documented what chronic stress can do to a person, even from one and two and three years old. So oh, to, I, yes, yes. to yes. think that there would be issues down the road is not something that would be unexpected. Uh, yeah. Teresa, I even think that that's in the womb too. <clears throat> what I think it stimulates great from the womb because they didn't admit to any drug or alcohol, but we've had one psychiatrist look right at him. He goes, they ever discuss fetal alcohol with you? We both looked, what? She caught him in the parking lot. She goes, his ears are lower and smaller. It's one of the top signs. And we're like, wow, no one ever even brought that up. We contacted adoptive services, but you never know what those parents are going to tell you to try to keep their kid or how it comes no, through. They were really lacking in the cognitive skill oh, area. <laughs> yeah. You know, they loved their boys. But, they, that was obvious. They just didn't know how to <clears throat> care for them or see down the road, you know, or think about the future where me, like right now, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I'm looking at, we're on, we're on, uh, we're on the clock now. He's over 15 years old. This is taking so long. I, I view it as, you know, we've lost five weeks of, you know, our child's life and we're getting closer to that 18 years of age. And I'm scared to death. And the thing that will kill me is if someday my son is sitting in jail and he doesn't know why. And I didn't do everything that I can right now to try to help him and make sure that doesn't happen and give him the coping skills. He didn't choose this. No kid chooses this. It's, you know, you're a product of your environment early on. And um, what do you do? So it sounds like, obviously you guys are very strong. <laughs> And you tried to to handle this as best you could until it became an emergency. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. What have you learned about how to talk about this stuff with your kids, and how you can talk about it with him? Mm, I've started talking to our other two boys about it a little bit here and there. Um, you know, you got to have that safe environment. We might be driving down the road and. You know, I says to my middle child the other day, I says, you know, how do you feel about mom and dad being so public with everything going on? And then I had to explain what going so public was to him. <laughs> um, but how do you feel about that? And, and uh, he says, I feel bad. I said, why? Because I'm thinking, you know, we're getting help. And he goes, oh, he says, mom, I'm just afraid that people are going to start thinking that we're going to do the same kind of things. You Never know? So he's worried that. about the stigma without quite understanding what that is. Yeah, yep. that's the middle child. That was that's the non-biological, um, but just in little doses. And uh, the youngest, he has a more difficult time because once he puts up that autistic wall, it's it's really hard to break that down. I mean, usually like humor and stuff helps a little bit with him, but I don't know. Just lately, it's been he has actually flipped it. He's reached out to me more than I have him, which is like even downstairs about probably maybe half hour ago. He says, Mom, are you in a good place? Are you okay? Are you having a bad day? He's so kind. Mm -hmm. He's so kind. But and we've even so told stubborn. them <laughs> if they could text, if they could text us, if they can email us, if they yep. want to, 
you know, take a walk because we, we walk the dogs. We live out in, that's why I keep looking around at the trees and stuff. And it's, uh, we walk through the woods, anything they want to do to talk. J-bottom bracelets, I don't know, a while ago. Yeah. And they reflect on that. When they... this started, I put bracelets and um, I'll go speak and people will give me a bracelet or something. And I never take it off because it's like, you know, a kid gives you a gift. Maybe the only thing they have, you keep it. Yeah. And uh, I got them like Jagoo, people talk about his limitations because of his autism and stuff. And I'm like, he has a bracelet that I had custom made. says, prove him wrong. And you'll hear me every once in a while as we're walking. I'll just say, Goob, prove him wrong, dad. What do you do? Somebody calls me stupid or an idiot. I don't even say a word. I walk away because I'll prove him wrong someday. And Jake's, Jake, Jake you down there? What's your band say? Did you hear it? Anything no. possible. Anything, anything is possible. possible. No matter what you try, anything's possible. And it's like, don't let somebody tell you you can't. He's wanting to run track. So it's like, that's it. But it's like, do we have a sit down, regulated family type of thing? No. But it's like, we catch him at different times. U of M said that he needed inpatient services. Um, that was September 2019, that he needed inpatient services to um, kind of do a social reprogram and help him. And so a month later, I called and said, Hey, where are we at on the waiting list? And they said, Oh, I'm sorry. Jordan doesn't qualify. He's he, he can't do it because he's not a threat to himself or others. Nobody told us. <clears throat> Everybody keeps saying that they wouldn't help him. Cause I tried calling places, you know, like in Grand Rapids, whatever, while a long time ago, a couple of years ago. Yep. Nope. We can't take him. He's not a threat to himself or others. He didn't act out. So right. Until you were right before an emergency they wouldn't be able to do anything right until you're in an emergency. Right. See, so he has to try to actually commit suicide or hurt me or whatever. And then you'll get results. Cause you know, what kills me. This is where I got a lot of silence. We're both teachers been there. I was there 31 years. If you write a note and you tell them you're going to shoot up the school and it gets found, or you're going to blow up the school and you have a plan and you write it, they will kick you out of school, turn it over to the authorities, and everything will be taken care of as if you did. So what's the difference with the letters we found? Because if they have found these letters on school property, the authorities would have been involved, CPS would have been involved, it probably would have been out of our hands at that point. So why now? Because we found it and took action. Are you treating us differently? Because he didn't act out. Don't, don't be hypocritical with us. We know exactly how that game's played. We've had notes found at school. We've had messages written on the, the mirrors and we have a shutdown lockdown at the school and the kid is gone. I mean, they whisk them right out of there. So don't say these letters were intense enough. Trust me, everyone who's seen them and talked about them and looked at them went, he needs inpatient. We need some serious help here. We just dodged a bullet. Can you imagine the families that are sitting there by themselves? We're just lucky because we have so many connections across the state, you know, between what I do, you know, because I know, people all across the state through the band world and orchestra world and he knows people all over the country and putting those two you know together I mean there were we've got what probably six seven thousand people in our friends list you know on it's just Facebook sad. and then it just went boom and it went everywhere to where people were called actually one of the places sent me a message and said hey we saw your thing and we think we can help you here and I'm like that's not what you said last week yep so then you run the risk of becoming a political pawn. Which we made very clear to the politicians. If you're going to use us, that's fine, but we want what we want. You're going to give us what we want. You know, and then Hawthorne has 50 beds. There's a 30 child waiting list. 
so we're just going to shove us to the front because we're the hot topic. What about these 30 kids have been sitting there and these parents? It's not fair. There's got to be a way to get more beds. And I know if you go back politically, you don't have to dig too far who started shutting these down and they weren't reopened. And it's just, it's, it's been, we've heard well, the whole nightmare. The other thing we learned too was because we took them to an ER, Jordan was, Jordan was safe. Had we taken them to the doorstep of one of these facilities, they would have assessed him and probably kept him. They because said, they would have, they would have at that point assumed he was a threat. Been liable. And, yeah. And so we couldn't, we couldn't bring him home. He'd have to stay there. But the, these children that go to the ER. They're safe. They're safe. They're being monitored around the clock. So they're going to focus on the ones that are out, that are out, that can't go home first. You ever play the game when you travel, Teresa, and the hotel's booked and then you get the right concierge. Hey, I'm only in town tonight. I'm speaking over here. This is what I'm doing. Oh, you speak. What do you do? Schmooze them. And all of a sudden you got a suite, but there were no rooms. It's Maybe I don't know how to play the game. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, I'm not going to get into that, but I usually get the mid-sized car and I end up in an Escalade or something like that driving. Cause there's, there's always something. There's always something. And I've proven this. I've had two posts and I've gotten everything I wanted because of two posts. Don't tell me it's not there. Don't tell me they just all of a sudden decided, oh, we'll bring the grosses in and just let them see Jordan. They're following that stuff. And that's just, I'm just every test I throw out there, they're biting, but I'm like, you guys are proving me how bad the system is. And the people inside the nurses, the doctors, the counselors, everybody we've talked to, the system is busted. The system is broken. Then let's all get together and figure out what, you know, how are we going to fix it? And there's no quick, fast overnight fix, which we understand. And if anything, at least people are more aware because of what we did and the chance we took. What's going to end up happening is they're going to live longer without us than they will with us. And we've got to find a way that they will be okay. Because that's our biggest fear. Our kids don't know how to survive with the challenges they're facing. And that's where our biggest fear of failure is going to come in. we got to prepare them for life and how to handle it. I had 29 students pass away. Nine were by suicide. And, you know, you have a kid in there on Friday. And you get a note on Sunday that they took their own life. And Monday you come in, that, that desk is empty. And you all wonder, what could I have done? I mean, there's kids fighting battles everywhere. And then they go to get help and they get these roadblocks. I just worry because it's been so long that he's going to think we abandoned him. Yeah, and that's not. I just grabbed him by the cheeks next to the sunny. You might think, you might be thinking we're abandoning you right now. We're not. Uh -uh. So we're doing everything we can because we want our boy home. We want, but we want you home when it's going to be good for everybody good for to you. be home. And I didn't want to let him go. I just held onto his face. He's like, I know mom. I know mom. I, ugh. Take an upstream approach to mental health with the Be Nice Action Plan. Challenge stigma. Challenge yourself to talk openly about mental health. Stigma is the number one reason someone doesn't reach out for help when they're struggling. Be conscious of your language. Are there words in your vocabulary that might be hurtful? If someone opens up to you, show compassion. Your response can have an important impact on what happens next. Learn more about each step of the action plan at benice.org.